Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. But before I do get into that, as usual, if you are listening to this on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast, it would mean a lot if you would subscribe to the podcast and also leave a review, leave a like for the episode, if you would, because when you do that, it allows the algorithm to further extend this podcast out to people that does not know that this podcast exists, and that would be greatly appreciated to me. Now, with that all being said, off to Monday Night Raw. Raw will open up with the Judgment Day coming out to the ring. That is Finn Balor, Rhea Ripley, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio. They're out here to brag about Dominic beating AJ last week. They would put a lot of accolades on Dominic, saying that he is the greatest luchador in history. Dominic would even say that he is his generation's Eddie Guerrero. Or better yet, Eddie Guerrero was his generation's Dominic Mysterio. The club would come out, AJ would tell Dominic to shut up, and that Dominic isn't his generation's Eddie Guerrero, he's more this generation's James Ellsworth. And if you know who James Ellsworth was, he was a guy that was around in WWE from 2016, he was a guy that had no chin, he was basically a funny goofball-like character that was not meant to be taken serious, so that's what AJ is saying Dominic is. AJ will continue on telling Dominic that he keeps on hiding behind the Judgment Day, that one day they aren't going to be there to fight his battles. Finn will call AJ a hypocrite because that's what he's doing right now with the club. Finn will say that he was the one that created their club. And ever since he left, people that came into his club has been living off of Finn's legacy. Carl Anderson will tell Finn that he needs to stop talking and let's wrestle. So we get a match between Carl Anderson and Finn Balor. Carl Anderson will have the club in his corner. Finn Balor will have the judgment day in his corner. Finn would win the match by pinfall thanks to Rhea. When Carl Anderson will have Finn on his shoulders and Dominic will be in the ring distracting the referee. Rhea will come in and low blow Carl Anderson, allowing Finn to pin Carl for the win. There was a highlight in this match that I believe everybody's going to remember for years to come, at least this upcoming weeks. Uh, Rhea scoop slamming Luke Gallows on the outside of the ring. You saw Luke taking care of Damian Priest and all that good stuff, and then it came to Rhea just pushing Luke into the ring post and then scoop slamming him. So you would get that. We would go backstage later in the night. We would see Carl Anderson icing his nuts. You see him in the medics room. AJ's with him. Lou Gallus comes in there. He says, don't worry, I'll take care of Rhea Ripley because I have luck with the ladies. So we see him go off and he's apparently going to find Rhea Ripley. We don't see what happens, but later in the night again, we would see him walk into the medic room and he's holding his nuts and he would take the ice pack away from Carl applied to his nuts. So it appears that Rhea would have low blowed Luke Gallows. AJ would say, do we all agree that we have a Rhea problem? And they would say, yeah. So it seems that AJ is going to find a woman to be in the club to take out Rhea Ripley. Now, I have been trying to figure out who is it going to be. I have no idea. We'll have to find out next week on Monday Night Raw or these upcoming weeks. But it's going to be interesting to see who it's going to be. After this, we had The Miz coming out for an in-ring promo. Miz is out here to recall what has happened during his time with Dexter Loomis, and we finally get a reason for why Dexter is going after him, at least The Miz's version. Miz will say that he is getting attacked by Dexter because he decided to share his in-ring knowledge and his expertise with Tommaso Ciampa instead of Dexter, so that's the reason why Dexter is coming after him. Johnny Gargano will come out and say that The Miz 
is lying. Johnny would tell that the Miz that if he wants Dexter out of his life, all he has to do is tell the truth, or Johnny is going to blow the whistle on him. Johnny Gargano is out here with a whistle. You have the fans chanting to blow the whistle. So the Miz would tell the fans to shut their mouth. Miz would say that he has been telling the truth. And then after he would say that he's been telling the truth, after the truth, after the truth, our truth would come out to the ring. And you would see our truth and the Miz talk a little bit, and it ultimately gets down to them two having a match. Our truth would win the match by pinfall thanks to the Miz being distracted by a man wearing a black hoodie and messing around with black gloves in the front row. Miz would see this and our truth would take advantage of this and roll up Miz for the win. After the match, the camera would go over to that man in a black hoodie. He would take down the hoodie and it's Johnny Gargano. Johnny was messing around with the Miz. So Miz is more upset at this and this will play later. After this match, we will see Austin Theory going against Mustafa Ali with Seth Rollins on commentary. Austin Theory would win the match by pinfall thanks to Seth getting in the ring when Ali was about to hit the 450 splash. The ref would try to get Seth out of the ring, and this would allow Theory to kick the ropes, making Ali fall and hit the mat, and then Theory would grab Ali and hit A-Town down for the win. After the match, Seth would throw Ali out of the ring and continue to talk trash to Ali, saying that he doesn't belong in Seth's WWE. Seth would throw Ali into the timeskeeper area, then into the crowd and beat up on him some more. Seth would then ask for security to get Ali out of the building, which security doesn't come around because Seth is not like the guy in charge and Ali is a part of the WWE roster. Seth would then walk back to the ring, grab the United States Championship and walk up the ramp onto the stage. Ali would then appear out of nowhere and attack Seth from the side, and then these two men would continue to fight until the refs would come out and separate both men. So Ali and Seth are not done with their situation, and it has not been confirmed if they're going to have a match at Crown Jewel for the United States Championship. I would think they're probably going to add that. Maybe it has not been announced, but I would think they are going to. After this, we will have Omas with MVP in his corner going against four local guys, Omos would win the match by pinfall by slamming one of the men with a two-handed choke slam, then cover that guy with one of the other men that he destroyed earlier. This match was used to make Braun look at someone that has a power that could match, if not eclipse his own. So that's what we're leading up to. Omos uh, displaying his power, even though he's beating up four like local nobodies, is still something. And that's all we're leading up to here. Omos is trying to show off his power and capability towards Braun. After this, we have Elias going against Chad Gable, who had Otis in his corner. Elias would win the match by pinfall when Elias would hit a lifting spinning suplex for the win. After the match, Otis would get in the ring and attack Elias. Now you have Chad and Otis, and they would beat up on Elias until Matt Riddle would come out and make the save. He gets all of Alpha Academy out of the ring, then hits a springboard floating bro onto them and then he goes in the ring and he helps Elias to his feet so I can see by next week probably we're going to get Riddle and Elias going against uh, Alpha Academy and this is probably going to be a short and I mean real short brief tag team of Riddle and Elias I don't think it's going to be mean much that's why I say a real short uh, team here after this we have Johnny Gargano going against Baron Corbin JBL again was on commentary Corbin would win the match by pinfall thanks to JBL. Johnny Gargano would go on to the announce table and steal JBL's hat and mess with it. 
He would act like he's a cowboy. So he would proceed to hold on to the hat. He would go on the ring apron, hit Corbin. And now you see Corbin holding the referee to make sure he's okay. And this will allow JBL to go over to our Gargano, grab him by the leg, and basically swipe him off the ring apron. And then you would see Corbin grab Gargano, hit him with the end of days for the win. Again, I like JBL managing uh, Corbin here. I liked Corbin ever since his NXT days, and for him now to finally have a legitimate mouthpiece, somebody that everybody hates, at least can make people truly hate him. Corbin had, like, fan hatred for him, like, oh my god, get him off the screen. Now with JBL, is at least, like, okay, old school wrestling, like, bad guy type of, boo, we hate you. Even though you're good in the ring, we still hate you type of deal. So I'm glad Corbin has JBL in his corner for this type of uh, situation. Now it's off to the main event. Bianca Belair going against Bailey, who had damage control in her corner. Bailey would win the match by pinfall thanks to a returning Nikki Cross. When the referee was outside in the ring and he was going to throw out both Dakota and Io because they did something to Bianca and he caught them. But before he could actually throw them out, both the ref and Dakota and Io would eat a crossbody from Nikki jumping off the top turnbuckle. Bianca would then hit Bailey with the KOD and then went for the cover, but again, there's no ref to make the count. Nikki would get in the ring and attack Bianca and hit her with a spinning fisherman suplex, and then Nikki would leave the ring, and then Bailey would cover Bianca, and you see a referee come down, count, and Bailey's your winner. After the match, Nikki would then proceed to go in the ring and attack Bailey. And now we have old school Nikki Crossback. She's no longer Nikki ASH. That superhero character is gone. She's back to her uh, sanity uh, character, the unstable uh, Nikki Cross here. And personally, I'm glad for it because the Nikki ASH, it worked for a minute. But after you see the downward spiral of that character and it just couldn't get like refreshed up anymore you gotta like do something else and nikki's a great uh competitor her uh sanity stuff was what got her at least in my opinion on the map for everybody to pay her any attention so now that we're going back to it i'm glad that we're doing it and i hope she gets to talk about it on monday night raw next week to explain why she attacked both Bailey and Bianca, because I have a feeling Bailey isn't going to like that she got attacked by Nikki. So hopefully we get a, a uh, interview or some type of backstage thing, or even in the ring, to for Nikki to explain why she did what she did. But with that, that's your Raw uh, wrestling highlights of the week. Now off to NXT. First thing they do is air a recap video. We're having a Halloween Havoc, and once that recap video is done. We go off to our first match of the night, the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match of the challengers, Nikita Lyons and Zoe Starks going against the champions, Katana Chance and Kaden Carter. At first, we would have new tag team champions when Zoe pinned Katana when Katana was not the legal competitor. The referee missed a tag when Kaden uh, tagged herself in and Katana was no longer the legal uh, competitor. The referee didn't see this. So you would see Katana go and try to hit Zoe with a pump kick, and then Zoe would duck it, grab Katana, get her into like a roll-up, and the ref will count to three. As soon as the bell rings, the fans go crazy because we think we got new tag champions here. But you see Katana and Kaden walk over to the ref and say, yo, she wasn't the legal uh, person I was. And then you see a referee come down to the ring and talk to the referee of this match and have to tell him, yo, the situation 
So the official referee for the match will go over to the ring announcer and say that the match will have to be restarted. So we would have a restart of the match. And in the end, Katana and Kaden would retain their championships by hitting Nikita with a neckbreaker 450 combo for the win. So we still have the same NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, Katana and Kaden. But later we would go backstage and we would get a angry uh, locker room promo from Zoe and Nikita and Zoe wouldn't make it known that they are going to get another rematch. And when they do have that match with Katana and Kaden, they will be walking away with the NXT Women Tag Team Championship. So that's something to look forward to in the future. After this, we will have Wesley coming out for an in-ring promo. He's now the new NXT North America champion. When Wes got in the ring, the fans did the usual You Deserve It chant to Wes. Wes would thank everyone for being at Halloween Havoc Saturday night. Wes talks about him thinking that he would never be in WWE or being a champion, especially a singles champion, but he is extremely grateful. Wes will say that winning the North American Championship has given him the validation that he's been searching for for these past couple months, so he would again thank the fans. Grayson Waller would then come out and play a spoiler slash hater and he would come out to stop this whole love fest. Grayson would say that even though he lost at Halloween Havoc, he didn't truly lose. He still is one up on Apollo Crews. And this will lead to R-Truth coming out. And R-Truth's out here wearing a Joker, uh, Batman, Arkham, like, asylum gear. With the whole get up, the whole mask, and the whole, like, suit, and everything else. Truth thinks this is Halloween Havoc. But Grayson Waller will have to tell Truth that this isn't Halloween Havoc. Halloween Havoc already happened. Truth would think that Grayson is messing with him, but Wes would tell Truth, nah, this isn't Halloween Havoc. But I did win the North Vegas Championship at Halloween Havoc. Truth would say congratulations to Wes, and then he would look at Grayson and ask him what he did at the event. Wes and the fans would tell Truth that he lost to Apollo in the casket match. This would lead to Grayson challenging Truth to a match for next week on NXT. Grayson would walk over to the ropes, and he would try to sucker punch Truth, but Truth would duck it, and Wes would hit uh, Grayson. Now you have Truth and Wes ping-ponging Grayson, and then you would see Truth throw Grayson out of the ring, and he would accept the challenge. So next week on NXT, we have Grayson Waller going against R-Truth. After this, we have Shotzi going against Lash Legend. Quincy Elliott was out here to watch the match. Shotzi would win the match by pinfall by hitting Never Wake Up, which is a modified DDT for the win. So Shotzi's here. She got a win on NXT and she's going back to the main roster. After this, we have the Creed Brothers coming out here. Julius is out here with bruises of hands. Brutus is out here. He thinks he's going to get his match with Damon Kemp, which is five minutes that I forgot to mention. Uh, Brutus has a five minute matchup with Damon. That's all he wants. So he calls Damon out for their five minute matchup. Damon would appear up on the screen and tell everyone that thanks to the medical team, he's not medically cleared, but Brutus is going to get that work sooner or later. Brutus would tell Damon that the more he has to make him wait, the more pain it is going to be for him. Then out of nowhere, Sangha and Veer would attack the Creeds from behind. Now, as Veer is beating up on Brutus in the corner, Sangha's beating up on Julius, and then you see Sangha put his hand around the neck of Julius. Sangha would just stop, and he will look like he's looking out into space. Veer is shouting something at Sangha, and then he goes over and clotheslines Julius, 
this will snap Sangha back into like action, and then he would attack Brutus, and then he would choke slam Brutus. Now, Veer and Sangha will leave the ring, and then you see Ivy now come down and go up to Sangha and ask him why before she goes into the ring and checks in on the creeds. Also, another interesting note, Sangha and Veer would, like, their music would play, but it's not really their music. It's uh, Bupinder Gujir's music. Bupinder Gujir is from Impact Wrestling, so that kind of shocked me how I heard his music on NXT products, so I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's just, like, uh, free, like, unlicensed copyright music that anybody could use. I'm just saying that was an interesting note for me, particularly. Uh, after this, we have the NXT Tag Team Championship matchup of Idris Inafe and Malik Blade, the challengers, going against Pretty Deadly, who are the champions. Pretty Deadly would win the match by pinfall when they hit Spilt Milk, which is a uh, modified version of the Heart Foundation's heart attack, but instead of somebody going for a clothesline, it's basically a running neckbreaker that they hit. And they do this on Malik for the win. This match was the match that showed everyone that Idris and Malik can be a serious team, a team that could literally be the next tag team champions, the exact same way that everybody was like hyping up the acclaim when they went against Swerve and Our Glory at All Out. It felt that way during like the middle of the match, how uh, Idris and Malik was heating up on Pretty Deadly. This, to me, was one of their best matches that Idris and Malik had. I mean, I put this up against their match against the uh, Viking Raiders, whenever the Viking Raiders came down to NXT earlier this year. So for an experienced tag team like the Viking Raiders to put up Idris and Malik the way that they did earlier in the year, for now Idris and Malik to go against Pretty Deadly, and Pretty Deadly to put Idris and Malik up in the way that they needed to, it shows that Idris and Malik are the future of NXT's tag team division in that one day they will be NXT tag team champions. After this, we have Schism coming out to the ring, and they are here to introduce their newest uh, recruit, the same recruit that has been coming around with them wearing a red hood. And once that person would unmask himself, take off the red hood, and take off the yellow smiling face, it's Ava Rain. Ava Rain, for people that don't know, that's The Rock's daughter. Yes, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. His daughter is in WWE, for people that didn't know. She's been in WWE, I believe, for the past... Uh, two years, but this is her first time now being on actual television, so it was nice to see her here, and the whole point for her to be in the schism is that she already knows what people expect out of her, meaning that you're going to be a Samoan character, you're going to have the Rock's name and all this type of stuff, but she's out here to carve out her own niche and her family and her own uh, legacy and her own like walkthrough and path, so this is her first step into her WWE on television career with the schism, and personally, I like it, because Joe Gacy and uh, the Grizzly Young Veterans, they're all legitimate, like, veterans of the wrestling business, Joe Gacy spent time on independence, uh, Grizzly Young Veterans, they spent time on independence, and they've been signed with WWE, I think, since 2017, 2016, one of the two, and Grizzly Young Veterans, they're a great tag team. They're vets. That's in the name. Joe Gacy, they're veterans. They can show Ava some stuff in the ring that she can work on. They can basically be her tour guide in NXT. And personally, I'm going to love seeing Ava's uh, work in NXT to see how she moves around in the ring and everything else. But for now, hopefully she'll just be the mouthpiece. And whenever it's time for her to get in the ring, 
that's going to be a good thing. So I'm glad Ava Rain has now been on NXT and being introduced to everybody. And also, she's with Schism. Seems like a good fit for now. After this, we will have another matchup of Sol Ruka going against Indy Hartwell. Indy would win the match by a pinfall by hitting a forearm to the back of the head of Ruka. And once she does this, she goes for the win. She pins her, gets the win. After the match, Electra Lopez would appear and attack both Ruka and Indy Hartwell. She says she's back and she's going to make sure everybody in the NXT Women's Division is on notice. So that was interesting to me. Electra Lopez is back in NXT. She's not with uh, Santos, Escobar, and Legado del Fantasma. Again, that's weird because she was the female of Legado and that's Shawn Michaels' baby slash Triple H's baby. So I'm surprised that she isn't on the main roster, but hey. Electra Lopez wants to be on NXT. She's there by herself, so we get to see what she does by herself. And also, let's not forget, Tony D'Angelo is still in NXT. So it's going to be interesting to see Tony's uh, like conversation and interaction with Electra Lopez. So that's going to be a nice like little something whenever they actually want to throw that in. Now it's time for the main event. Ilya Dragunov going against JD McDonough. JD would win the match by referee stoppage when JD was able to get Ilya in a submission move. They made Ilya start having blood come out of his mouth and Ilya would pass out in the submission. Now, the referee doesn't see Ilya pass out in the submission until a couple seconds later. You hear Booker on commentary yelling that the referee needs to check on Ilya and stop this. And once the referee does realize this and he sees the blood coming out of Ilya's mouth, he actually calls for the bell. Ilya came in here with a wounded body already. He already had like the black duct tape on his ribs. So JD went after that and that was a smart move for him. Ilya was able to fight back against JD. But again, once you come into the ring with a target on you, like a bandage or something on you, your opponent's going to target that like immediately. And that's what JD did. And JD was able to win the match off this. After the match, you will see Ilya be stretched out out of the ring and to the back, and JD is just watching with a smile on his face. So this is proving the more hatred that JD has for Ilya and Ilya has for JD. So this rivalry between these two guys isn't going to end no time soon. But with that being said, that is your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to AEW Dynamite. Dynamite will open up with a tag team matchup of Jericho Appreciation Society members, the Ring of Honor World Champion Chris Jericho, the Ring of Honor Peer Champion Daniel Garcia with 2.0 and Jake Hager in their corner, going against Blackpool Combat Club's Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta. Claudio would win the match for his team by pinfall by hitting Jericho with the neutralizer, so Claudio does have a win up on the Ring of Honor World Champion Chris Jericho, so you could see him potentially getting a rematch for the Ring of Honor World Championship later down the line. Now, after the match, we would go backstage where Renee Paquette would be interviewing Brian Danielson. Brian would mention that he is pissed about Dio Garcia turning his back on him, Jericho beating him to retain the Ring of Honor Championship, and Willie Uta talking back to him last week. So now Daniel has a lot of rage in him, and he would say that he is going to take all that anger out on Sammy Guevara tonight. So you would see Willie Yuta walk up on Brian Danielson and you would see these two men talk with each other in an angrily way and Claudio would step in and break it up. Claudio would let it be known that they are going to have a sit down tonight and talk about their issues like men, but we don't see that later in the show. 
So we would then go to another backstage interview where Tony Schiavone will be with the Jericho Appreciation Society. And the main point of this interview is for Jericho to announce that he is issuing an open challenge next week to anyone that was a former Ring of Honor champion. It doesn't matter whether they were a world champion, television champion, pure champion, tag team champion, and he even went out so far to say even a woman's champion. So anybody that was a former Ring of Honor champion, they can get a shot at Jericho's Ring of Honor championship next week on AEW Dynamite. Now, here's a curious thing that really shocked everybody. After this will go and happen, we will go to a video package of AEW's, like their formation, if you were there at the beginning, the formation of AEW, like the showing of the signature logo was Cody, the Bucks, and Heyman Page showing their phone saying AEW. And you will see that the logo disintegrates like Thanos snaps disappears. Then it will go off to the Young Bucks in a press conference, like when they first started AEW, and you will see the Young Bucks disappear. Then it will go off to the first episode of Dynamite, where the Bucks and Kenny were in the main event. You see them in the middle. They will disappear. So it's showing off that we are erasing Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, and it seems like we're erasing the elite from all elite wrestling. I don't know what this means. I don't know if the Bucks come back, Kenny's coming back. I would think they would because they haven't shown Kenny or the Bucks anytime soon since that whole all-out pay-per-view where they got into a situation with CM Punk backstage and all four of the guys have been suspended. There's been rumors and speculations, but again, I'm trying to lean off of that until we get official word from AEW. So what's going to happen with the Bucks, Kenny, and Punk? I have no idea. I'm just waiting like everybody else to see. And that special teaser right there just really brings intrigue to say maybe the Bucks and Kenny are coming back and they might have some plans for them. What plans? We have no idea. We, as fans, would just have to wait and see. Now, after that video will play, we will go to our number one contender tag team matchup, uh, FTR going against Swerve in our glory. The Acclaim will be watching the match at the entrance stage while the Gun Club will be front row watching this match as well, and they're still cosplaying as FTR here. Keith would win the match for his team by pinfall when Cash was outside of the ring and he's fighting with Swerve. Swerve would throw Cash into the barricade where the gun club are. So now you see Dax and Keith Lee in the middle of the ring. They're doing their business and the referee wouldn't see Swerve low blow Dax. And then you see Keith pick up Dax and hit him with a big bang catastrophe and cover him for the win. Now, people might ask, where was Cash during all this? Well, Cash couldn't break up the pin because the guns were holding him, so Cash had to watch as Dax got the pin. After the match, the guns would hop the barricade, beat up on Cash, and beat up on Dax. The acclaim would run down to the ring, and the gun club would leave the ring. So, two things here. The Swerve in our glory, they're going to get their rematch with the acclaim. More than likely, it's going to happen at full gear, so this would be their tiebreaker. And we're going to get the gun club going against FTR somewhere down the line again. And hopefully, it's for one of those freaking championships, probably the Ring of Honor title, after they get done with the, uh, the kingdom, if they retain against them. But again, we know we're going to get FTR going against the gun club somewhere down the line. But for a certainty, Swerve in our glory is going against the acclaim, and more than likely, it's going to happen at full gear for the AEW tag team titles. Now, after this, we will go and have an MGF interview, and MGF will be out here talking about his upcoming World Championship match at Full Gear. MGF will talk about how Regal last week mentioned that MGF used the Dynamite Diamond Ring because he has to, and not that he wants to. So MGF would make a promise to everybody in attendance that for one night only at Full Gear, he would not be using the Dynamite Ring. 
because he doesn't want to hear any excuses for when he becomes the AEW World Champion. Because at full gear, he isn't fighting John Moxley or Regal. He's fighting all those people that say he couldn't make it and he has this big chip on his shoulder and he wants to shove that chip down every single person's throat that said he couldn't make it and couldn't hack it. So this is the reason why MGF is literally going after Moxley for the world championship and trying to be the world champion without using the dynamite ring. He does admit he's going to be a little bit dastardly, a little bit dirty because he is MGF. That's just what it is. And before MGF could finish his whole diatribe, Stokely Hathaway would come out and he would tell MGF that he knows he wants Moxley at 100% at full gear and he gives him a wink and a nudge. And then you see MGF turn to Stokely and just slap the mic out of his hand. And then MGF will proceed to berate Stokely. If John Moxley gets past Pentagon tonight in the main event at full gear, I need him 110%. So him and Regal and all his weirdo fanboys got no excuses when I beat him in that ring. So you don't go near him, you don't lay a hand on him, hell, you don't even look at him. Or you're fired. So with Stokely getting his marching orders, he would proceed to walk off stage, and you could tell that Stokely did not again like being berated by MJF. So it seems to me that The Firm and MJF are now at a disagreement, and we will have to see later on tonight, would the firm happened to attack John Moxley or would they leave him be because he had to defend his AEW World Championship against Penta. But we will see in the main event. Now, after this, we will get a one-on-one matchup between Brian Danielson going against Sammy Guevara, who had Ty Mello, his wife, in his corner. Brian Danielson will win the match by referee stoppage when Brian would hit the Baseko knee on Sammy. And instead of covering him, he would instead kick his head in then lock in the triangle choke, and then in that same maneuver, he would elbow Sammy in his head until Sammy would pass out. Now, here's a funny thing. On commentary, William Regal was on the commentary for this, and Regal, even at the end, whenever Danielson hit him with a Baseko knee, he agreed with Excalibur saying that Danielson should cover him, but he allowed and said, well, Brian's going to continue going. So then whenever he got to the triangle choke and start elbowing Sammy in the head, you would hear Taz on commentary saying that Danielson needs to quit, that the referee needs to call the match and get it done with. And you would hear Regal even say that, yo, okay, call for the bell. He's done. He's done. So I can tell that Regal is going to have to talk with Brian a little bit. I understand the Blackpool Combat Club is all about uh, the best going against the best and trying to sh- iron sharpens iron. But Brian is just out here looking for blood at this moment. So I can see probably next week where you get the Blackpool Comic Club talking with one another and you can see them probably hashing this thing out and Brian probably getting a little bit aggravated with with, with uh, Yuta. That's going to be interesting, but we shall see what happens with next week. But also, got to give credit to Sammy here. Sammy did put up a nice fight with Brian. He didn't just go down like chump. He gave Brian a nice good couple hits. Uh, he gave him a Spanish fly off the top rope. I mean, this was a nice match for Sammy. So again, Sammy didn't go down as a chump, but he did get his head kicked in. After that matchup, we will have Rio going against Jamie Hayter, who had Rebel and Britt Baker in her corner. Jamie would win the match by pinfall by hitting a Rip Cordillaria, or better known as the Rainmaker, for the win. And these two had a nice, solid matchup. Now, the interesting part, after the match, you will see Tony Storm come out on the stage, and it seems that she's challenging Jamie to a match down the line, because you can see that's where they're headed with this for the AEW Interim Women's Championship. Also, to make note, earlier in the night, you would see... Uh, Soraya in the back talking with Renee and you would see Britt Baker walk up on her 
and Soraya and Britt Baker are not in the best of, like, they're not cordial to one another. They have hostility. So next week on Dynamite, you'll see Renee have a sit down with both women. And hopefully this will lead up to Soraya's matchup with Britt Baker at full gear. That's what I think we're leading up to. Again, they did not confirm any of this. I just think by wrestling standards, when you bring in a new person like this and uh, they get physical with somebody, they're leading up to a match. So I think Britt Baker's having a match with Soraya down at full gear. Now, time for the main event. The AEW World Championship. John Moxley defending it against Penta, who had Alex Abrahantes in his corner. Moxley will win the match by pinfall by catching Penta coming off the ropes, and Moxley would hit him with a paradigm shift and then a death rider for the win. Now, after the match, you would see W. Morrissey get in the ring, and Morrissey would big boot John Moxley. And then you see the rest of the firm come in the ring and attack Moxley. For the people that are not aware, the firm are W. Morrissey, Ethan Page, The Gun Club, and Lee Moriarty, and they are led by Stokely Hathaway. And remember, Stokely is the guy who is supposed to be on the payroll of MJF. And remember, MJF told him, don't touch Moxley. He wants him at 100% at full gear. So the firm are beating up Moxley, and we will see video of the Blackpool Combat Club's locker room like chained up so they couldn't come out to help Moxley. So you see the firm continuously beat up on Moxley. MGF comes out on the stage and he looks conflicted. He doesn't know whether to help Moxley or just let everything go as as it's supposed to with Moxley getting beat up. But in the end, MGF would run down to save Moxley. He would like push every member of the firm off of Mox. He will look at Stokely and tell him you're fired. And then he would just look back at Moxley just to make sure he's all right. And then once MGF turned back around, Ethan Page would kick him right in the head. And then the firm is now beating up on MJF. You will see Ego hit him with the Ego's edge. And then you will see like Morrissey like beat up on uh, MJF inside the ring before they take him outside of the ring. And then you see Morrissey chokeslam MJF through the Timeskeeper table. And AEW Dynamite ends with the firm standing tall over Moxley and MJF. Now, this might have some repercussions next week for Dynamite because, again, they weren't supposed to touch Moxley. And we don't know truly if he was ever, like, this was part of the plan at all. Nobody knows this. Me and my personal idea, I think MGF is willing to take the pain and the punishment to say that he was trying to protect Moxley and all that type of stuff. But in the end, MGF is the devil. He is a bad guy. Let's not get it twisted, everybody. MGF is the bad guy here. So he knows what he has to do to be world champion. He has to let people get off their guard. So I believe this was all going going according to plan. This was all a part of his whole thing to get people off guard. Yes, I'm going to take some of the licks. I'm going to take some punishment to make sure everybody believes my whole facade here. So in the end, at full gear, I'll be able to catch people and beat Moxley and become the AEW World Champion. At least that's my belief. Is that the truth? We have no idea until probably next week on Dynamite where the story continues to continue. But right now, I'm enjoying where the story is right now. I like to, I like that AEW has me guessing with this story between Moxley, MGF, and now the firm being included into it. So we'll have to see uh, what happens next week on Dynamite. But with that, that is your Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to Impact Wrestling. Impact will open up with Matt Taven and Mike Bennett walking up to Scott Demore, talking about Scott keep on putting them into situations like he did last week when they were losing their 
tag team titles to Rhino and Heath and also allowing Maria to get hurt. Because remember, Maria got speared by Rhino last week. They would constantly berate Scott DeMore about putting them in those type of situations. Scott would tell Matt and Mike Bennett that he will not put them in those type of situations ever again. And he would shake hands with both Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. And then he would tell them they're both fired. So Matt Taven and Mike Bennett are no longer a part of the Impact roster, which you guys got told by me two weeks ago because they are part of the AEW roster now. They signed a contract with AEW. Mike Bennett, uh, Maria, and Matt Taven are now all a part of the AEW roster. So they found a new home relatively quick. After this, we had our first round uh, X-Division Championship tournament matchup of Trey Miguel going against Allen Angels. Trey Miguel would win the match by pinfall when he would hit the lightning spiral for the win. Good match between Trey Miguel and Allen Angels. At points, you would think Allen Angels was going to win, especially when he hit a frog splash on Trey, but that did not put Trey down. Again, Trey Miguel, great athlete, great professional wrestler. I'm surprised that he's still with Impact. It's still a good, like, Thing for Impact to have somebody like Trey Miguel to fly the Impact uh, flag for them. I'm just surprised that he did not go to WWE with his boy uh, Wesley. But good for Impact to have uh, Trey still here. And also Allen Angels. If they can sign Allen Angels to a contract instead of like these uh, pay-per-appearance type deals. Because again, Allen Angels was a guy that really didn't get enough shine on the AEW television. Because again... AEW has a lot of wrestlers on their roster, so now Allen Angels is an impact now. It's, this should be a nice like wake-up for everybody to see how talented Allen Angels is. But again, Trey Miguel would win. He advances on in the tournament. Also, before Impact will begin on uh, their pre-show BTI, uh, Black Tarus would defeat Laredo Kid, so he has advanced into the tournament for the X-Division Championship as well. We have two more X-Division uh, first-round matches that still need to happen. They are Yuyu Yumura going against PJ Black and Kenny King going against Mike Bailey. So those matches will be determined at a later time. After this, we will have Tasha Steeles with Savannah Evans going against Rachel Shield. Rachel would win the match by DQ when Tasha would hit her with the cutter, then leave the ring and grab a microphone. Tasha would say that she is above this regular, degular opponent because Rachel Shield is a local competitor. She's not on the Impact roster. She hasn't made waves, all that type of stuff. Better known as uh, Enhancement Talent. Tasha would say that she's better than her and tell Savannah it's feeding time. So Savannah Evans would get in the ring, clothesline Rachel, and that would make the referee call for the bell. After the match, well, after the bell rung, Savannah would powerbomb Rachel, and that's the end of it. So Tasha Stills and Savannah Evans would stand tall over Rachel Shield here, but Rachel still has a win technically over Tasha because of disqualification. After this, we would have Tommy Dreamer with Bully Ray in his corner going against Chris Bay, who had Ace Austin in his corner. This match happens because Chris Bay and Ace Austin were looking to find Bully Ray about uh, Ace getting attacked last week. They still think Bully did it, but Tommy Dreamer would stake up for Bully, telling Chris Bay that, yo, he gave you his award last week, he didn't do it, so Tommy is sticking up for his friend, Chris Bay doesn't like it, so that's the reason why we have this match here. Chris Bay would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Art of Finesse, which is a springboard cutter on Tommy, to win the match. There was a moment in this matchup, however, when Moose would come down to the ring and confront Bully Ray about what Bully said earlier in the show, because Bully told Chris Bay and Ace Austin that, uh, 
Moose is a scumbag, so Moose might have attacked Ace Austin last week. So, Moose would pull a scumbag move by pulling at Chris Bay's leg when he was running the ropes when Chris does not see him. Chris would turn around and he sees Bully right there, so he thinks Bully did it. So, again, now they're still adding the pressure of Bully being a scumbag from his past uh, time and impact, and Bully still trying to make sure people know that he is not the same old guy that he used to be. So, that's the kind of thing that we're at right now. And now... Everybody see that Moose did pull Chris Bay's leg, so hopefully that will ease the tension with the rest of the Impact locker room with thinking Bully is such a bad guy or Bully's back to his old ways, but only time will tell an impact. After this, we would have Matt Cardona with Brian Myers in his corner going against Alex Shelley, who had Chris Saban in his corner. The reason why this match happens is because both teams won an Impact World Tag Team title matchup, so they try to go to Scott DeMore's office, but Scott will see them all bickering and he would make the decision for Matt Cardona to go against Alex Shelley. This isn't for the championship matchup. This isn't for the more contenders. This is just for them to get this crap out of their system. Matt Cardona would win the match by pinfall thanks to help from Brian Myers. When Alex Shelley had Matt Cardona rolled up in a pin, Matt Cardona would kick out and basically push Alex Shelley into the ropes. And the referee doesn't see this, but when Alex runs into the ropes, he would get hit in the head by Brian Myers with the Digital Media Championship, and this would allow Matt Cardona to roll up Alex Shelley for the win. This was a good match between Alex Shelley and Matt Cardona. I mean, it was solid, uh, good guy versus bad guy style matchup here. Big guy versus little guy. Not too big like Andre the Giant or even like a Moose going against somebody like Alex Shelley, but a standard old school like six foot three type wrestler going against somebody that's probably like 5'11". That's what I'm saying, like big man versus little guy here of Matt Cardona going against Alex Shelley. You had all four guys participating in this matchup. At times, Brian Myers would get himself involved. At times, Chris Saban would get himself involved. All of these men would get themselves involved without the referee's knowledge. But in the end, again, Matt Cardona would win the match. After the match, Brian Myers and both Matt Cardona would attack Alex Shelley and Chris Saban until Rhino and Heath would come down to the ring and make the save. Randall and Heath would throw out both Matt Cardona and Brian Myers. So it's kind of seen that we're setting up probably for a triple threat match for the Impact World Tag Team titles. Again, it was not announced, but I can see exactly where I think this thing might be headed. So we might get a triple threat. After this, we have Raj Singh, who has Sheer in his corner, going against Joe Hendry. Joe Hendry would win the match by pinfall by hitting what he calls the standing ovation, which is a stalling one-handed spine buster. Again, Joe Hendry entertaining guy his whole thing supposed to be a motivational uh speaker and the answer to life is basically joe hendry so that's his whole thing i like it i think it's funny i think it's goofy i know the guy from his independent time on like in europe back in the early 2010s mid 2010s before wwe like really took over european market so Again, Joe Henry being an impact, I like it. I hope we get to see more of him and his character gets developed a lot more. After this, we have Eddie Edwards having an interview. And the whole interview is all about Eddie Edwards announcing that Honor No More is no more because he lists off both Matt Taven and Mike Bennett no longer here in Impact. Kenny King is now focusing on the X Division uh, Championship Tournament. PCO turning his back on everybody. Vincent in the hospital. And also that his wife made him make the decision last week, and he chose his wife. So, Eddie Edwards makes that claim, and he makes it known that 
Honor No More is No More, and he also lets it be known that he is going to get revenge on PCO, so that is something to look forward to in Impact, uh, not this week, but probably next week. Now it's off to the main event. It is a six-woman tag matchup of Vexes, Chelsea Green, and Deanna Perrazzo, and Giselle Shaw, going against Mickey James, Taylor Wilde, and the Knockouts champion, Jordan Grace. Mickey James will win it for her team by pinfall, when Deanna Perrazzo and Chelsea Green would have Mickey in a double suplex, but she has her in the air, and Taylor Wilde would run in and hit Deanna with a spear, letting Mickey James to hit Chelsea Green with a DDT for the win. So, Mickey wins the match for her team at one moment in this matchup. You will see Chelsea Green yelling at Giselle to get a foreign object, and Giselle will go over to the timeskeeper table, and she will grab the Knockouts Championship, and she would hold the championship and just posing with it. Giselle Shaw's whole motive to be in this match is basically to get close to the Knockouts Championship and possibly get herself into a match with the Knockouts Champion. That's Giselle Shaw's whole main focus. That ultimately like led her team's demise. So I could see Vex getting at Giselle Shaw next week on Impact, and which could ultimately lead to probably Giselle Shaw getting a match with Jordan Grace down the line because Jordan, I don't believe, has won against Giselle Shaw, or if she has, it's been some time, at least to my knowledge. But anywho, that's your Impact uh, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to SmackDown. SmackDown will open up with a tag team match of the Brawling Brutes going against Solo Sokoa and Sami Zayn with the Usos in their corner. But before Sami and Solo will go out to the ring, Sami will have a talk with Jay Uso. Sammy will tell Jay that he wants Jay to help him in their match tonight because Roman isn't at the arena. And before Roman gets to the arena, he wants them to have a win under their belt. So when Roman gets there, he can see that they're all on one page, unlike last week when Jay went against Sammy's orders to not attack Logan Paul. So Jay said he's cool with that. So when they go out to the ring and they have their match, eh, it doesn't go as planned because the Brawling Brutes would win the match with Butch winning it for them. Thanks to the bloodline disagreeing with one another. Well, more specifically, Sami Zayn and Jay Uso. And Sami would be pulled out of the ring by Jay when Sami was on the mat. And Sami would tell Jay that he had everything under control. Jay would be telling Sami that he was trying to help him. And now you see these two bicker. More with Jay getting aggressive and Sami. Solo would try to break it up between the two. This would allow Rich Holland to run over and hit both Jay and Sami. Well, Solo with a shoulder tackle. Sammy would get in the ring, and he will go over to Butch. Butch would get him in an inside cradle pin for the win. Now, with this win, this gives the Brawling Brutes a championship matchup against the Usos at Crown Jewel. Now, after the match, you would see all of the bloodline in the ring, except Roman and Paul. They are not there yet. You would see Jay and Sammy continue to argue. Solo, again, would get in the middle of the two, trying to be the peacemaker. But you would see Jay push off Solo. Now, this gets Jimmy upset to the point that he has to spin Jay around, and now you got both the Usos looking at one another, and it seems like they're about to fight it out for a minute. But then, Roman Reigns' music hits, and Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman will walk to the ring. Once Roman will get in the ring, he says that we have to figure out this elephant in the room, and he basically is talking about Sammy and Jay. He said, you two have a problem, and I don't want... None of that to go into the back. I don't want no fighting in the backstage. I like to have all our problems dealt in the ring. So you two are going to figure this out right now. Sammy would 
talk to Jay and say, listen, I don't know what the deal is. Before I joined with the bloodline, you were cool with me. We always had fun. But now since I've been hanging around the bloodline, you've been having a problem with me. And he just basically apologizes for anything that he did do to Jay without his knowledge. So Sammy would stick his hand out for Jay to accept it. Jay would not shake Sammy's hands. Jay would say that he's tired of Sammy hanging around his family because he is not blood. He will never be blood and that nobody in the bloodline likes Sammy. You will see Sammy and Jay continuously talk it out in the middle of the ring. And Sammy tells Jay that, listen, we need to figure this out because Roman wants this thing between me and you to end. And Jay will say that he doesn't care what Roman Reigns thinks. I'm trying to make peace. The tribal chief said he wants peace. Man, I don't give a damn what the tribal chief said. Hey, Roman, Roman, hey, look, hey, look, what Jay just said was super, super messed up, but he did, he didn't mean that. He didn't mean, right? You didn't mean that. He didn't mean that, Roman, seriously. He did not mean that, okay? Look, Jay's been going through a lot. He's gone through a lot. He's just not himself right now. That's it, okay? He's just not, lately, he just hasn't been very oozy. So when Sammy tells Roman that Jay isn't oozy, you will see Roman crack a smile. He starts laughing. It breaks Roman out of his whole seriousness that he's supposed to be in. And you will see Roman say, you know what? You're right. Jay isn't feeling oozy. So you know what we're going to do? Jay's going to fix this. Jay is going to fix it because if not, Jay isn't going to like what Roman is going to do. And Roman will start telling Jay what's he going to do if Jay doesn't figure out his problem. I'm going to take that honorary away and I'm going to make him a full-blown oose. No, 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 no. You know what? No, no, no. If you don't figure this out, we're just going to change his name. You want to know what that name's going to be? We're going to name him Sammy Uso, y'all. Now with Jay's biggest fear facing him in the eye, if he doesn't fix his attitude, he's going to be having Sammy as a literal full-fledged, full-blown member of the bloodline, and that's probably going to throw Jay off the deep end. So now we're on the midst of seeing, is Jay going to find himself and at least start to become cooled down and not start being so much of a hothead? That's going to be an interesting story if he happens to calm himself down. But knowing Jay the way that he is with Sammy, I don't see that happening, and that might be his biggest nightmare might come true. He actually might get replaced. And Sammy might go into the bloodline as a full-fledged member, not just honorary, but as a full-fledged honorary member of the bloodline. And his name might get transformed over to Sammy Uso. That's going to be a fun transformation if they decide to go with that. But we'll have to see. After this situation, we would get another tag team matchup of New Day going against Maximum Male Models, Marseille and Mansois. Uh, Xavier Woods would win the match for his team by pinfall when the New Day would hit up, up, down, down, which is a backbreaker diving foot stomp combo on Mansois for the win. And again, we're building up to the Usos going against the New Day because the Usos are coming up on the New Day's longest reigning tag team championship run in WWE history. And I'm just throwing this idea out there to WWE or whoever is in creative because you don't know. Again, I always say this. You don't know who's ever listening to your product. So I'll give you a free Thing that you guys could do or just to enhance something that you guys are already thinking of when you have the new day going against the usos because you're going to do that um have biggie on commentary and let this be a just simple tag team matchup between two of the greatest wwe tag teams in wwe history or in this generation me i say this history of wwe and allow them just to go out there and put on a five-star 
Clinic, a classic match between both two teams, the way that they have been doing for years when those two get in the ring. Don't allow no bloodline crap to come in. Just allow these two teams to make magic in the middle of that ring and have Big E commentate the match. And whenever the outcome happens, if the Usos win, have Big E grab the championships, have him hand one championship over to Kofi, have one championship order to Xavier, and have them hand over the belts to the Usos. It's like them passing the legitimate torch over to the Usos with them handing over not just their championships, but also the title of the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history. And that would just be the ultimate sign of respect between both teams because in real life, the Usos and the New Day are all one big happy family actually do get along with each other. But if the New Day win, I don't know how that's going to impact the story between the Bloodline and everything that they got with themselves, but we shall see. So just keep that in mind. Um, after this, we will have Sonya Deville having a backstage interview. Sonya Deville will be once again hating on Liv Morgan, and Liv Morgan will once again attack Sonya Deville, and this will lead to backstage officials and referees separating both ladies. And this will lead to next week, Sonya Deville and Liv Morgan having a no-disqualification matchup. After this, we will have our Ronda Rousey SmackDown Women's Championship Open Challenge, and the person that would answer this open challenge is the re-debuting Emma formerly known as Tennille Dashwood in Impact Wrestling, where she was at for these past couple of years. So Emma is here going against Ronda Rousey. She has a nice one-on-one match with Ronda, but Ronda would win the match by submission when she would hit Piper's Pit, then lock in the arm bar, making Emma tap out. So Emma is now back with WWE. Later in the night, you would see Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey talking about Ronda's match and how she just won it. And then you see Natalia walk up on Ronda and say that if she would have answered the challenge, she would have beaten Ronda and become the new champion. Shayna Baszler will walk behind Natalia, hit her in the back, and then lock in a sleeper hold on her and put Natalia to sleep. So it seems that Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey are now clicked up together on SmackDown, and that's a good thing because in real life, they are true friends. And also, Shayna Baszler was a wrestler, well, professional wrestler before Ronda was, and it was a nice... Uh, thing to see Ronda be like ringside whenever Shayna had her matches down there in NXT. So now to see Ronda as SmackDown champion and have Shayna by her side, that's a nice friendship uh, story to play. And also, it could be a nice story whenever either person turn on the other one for that championship. That would be a nice story to tell on television. After this, we have the six-man tag matchup of Legado de Fantasma with Zelina Vega in their corner going against Hit Row and their mystery partner, who turns out to be Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura would win the match for his team by pinfall when Top Dollar would pop up Toro Cruz in the air, and then once he hits the mat, Nakamura would hit him with the Kinshasa for the win. So Nakamura is back on SmackDown. It's good to see Nakamura back on SmackDown, and the fans seem real receptive to him. After this, we have Karrion Cross with Scarlett in his corner, going against Madcap Moss. Karrion Cross would win the match by pinfall when Cross would hit a forearm to the back of the head of Moss for the win. They call that down the rabbit hole. After the match, Cross will lock in the Cross jacket on Moss and Scarlet would hand Cross a microphone as he still has the Cross jacket applied it on Madcap and say that Madcap put up a better fight than Drew McIntyre did. And he's looking at the camera and he's talking towards Drew and he says that. At Crown Jewel, history is going to repeat itself with him beating Drew McIntyre inside a steel cage. Referees would come down to the ring and try to get Cross off of Moss, but it would be Cross's decision to let go of Moss 
and that's it. So again, we're building up to Drew McIntyre going against Karrion Cross next Saturday in the steel cage at Crown Jewel. Now it's time for the main event segment, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is out here in the middle of the ring. Bray Wyatt will be out here embracing the fans with their welcome back chants, and Bray is just feeling it. Bray will say that the man that you see in front of you is his true version of himself. There is no mask or smoke and mirrors. This is him. Bray will say that he is going to do some incredible things while he is here. And Bray would mention that in his life, that majority of it, he was not in control of it. But that's okay. Because now he's here. He's going to do some bad things. And he enjoys doing bad things. But you at least know that this is the true version of himself in that. That's what it is. Bray will continue to talk, and then the lights will go out, and a video will play on the screen, and we are introduced to a new Bray Wyatt character, and it's Uncle Howdy. So that's the character's name. I don't know what this character is supposed to represent for Bray Wyatt. Only thing I know is that he's basically saying that Bray Wyatt is a liar. He's wearing a mask in front of these people now, and that Bray needs to revel in his true self. So I don't know what... We're getting here with Bray Wyatt, but again, people weren't booing it. People were cheering this thing. People are still here for whatever masterpiece, whatever type of uh, story Bray Wyatt's trying to tell to the fans. Everybody's really embracing it. There hasn't been no hate about it on the internet. From what I've seen, there's been majority love for it. So again, we're on this ride with Bray Wyatt right now as he's back on SmackDown, back in WWE. So we got to see what has to happen with Bray Wyatt as the story continues on. But SmackDown will end with that video, and that's it. So that's your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to AEW Rampage. John Moxley will have his match against Matt Menard with Angelo Parker in his corner. Moxley would win the match by submission when he would reverse Menard going for the stomp his head in and turn it into a sleeper hold, and Menard would have to tap out. Now during this match, Angelo Parker would interfere and beat up on John Moxley, but Moxley being who he is, he was able to take out Angelo Parker, and then go after Matt Menard. After the match, Stokely Hathaway and Lee Moriarty will come out on the stage, and Stokely will tell Moxley that he knows he wants to get his hands on him, but that isn't going to happen. Instead, he can face Lee Moriarty next week on Dynamite. Moxley would accept, so we have that match set for Dynamite. After this, we will have Keith Lee going against Serpentico. Keith Lee would win this match in quick fashion by pinfall when he would hit the Spirit Bomb, which is a Elevated sit-out powerbomb for the win. After the match, Tony Schiavone would come into the ring and he would let Keith Lee know that Swerve and Our Glory will get their tag team championship match at full gear. And before he could ask Keith an official question, the Acclaim will come down to the ring and confront Keith about Billy Gunn's whereabout and ask where Swerve is. And they're claiming that Keith knows exactly where Swerve is and that Swerve has something to do with Billy's uh, disappearance. Keith would say that he has no idea where Swerve is, and then a video will play of Swerve basically having Billy Guns in an empty room hostage with his hands tied behind his back in some type of chair, because you see Billy Guns in a sitting-like situation. Swerve would tell Billy that he is the reason that they lost their tag team championships to the Acclaim, and that in their rematch, Billy Gunn isn't going to be around. Billy Gunn will say that he's going to be around there, and that Swerve is the reason why he lost his championships, and that he needs to look himself in the mirror. Swerve isn't trying to hear this, and he tells Billy Guns that he's not going to be around at the rematch because he's going to be in a hospital. 
Swerve will pull out some pliers, and then you will see him mess with Billy's fingers. Now, they don't show you Swerve, like, putting the pliers on Billy's fingers. You just see him going in a downward motion, going behind the back of Billy, and you just see Billy just yelling out in agony, so that gives you the illusion that he is messing with Billy's fingers here. You will see the acclaim run out of the ring, and towards the back, you will see Keith Lee looking shocked because Keith Lee doesn't know what Swerve is doing. Swerve, again, is the dastardly guy that is willing to do whatever he got to do to win, while Keith Lee's the honest big man of the tag team. So, again, we're going to see some dissension between Keith and Swerve whenever those two are back on stage or back inside the ring together, and hopefully they can figure it out, because if not, the Acclaim are going to win at full gear and retain their tag team titles. Now, after this, we will have Ty Mello with Sammy Guevara in her corner going against Madison Rain. Ty would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Ty KO for the win. Solid match for the ladies here on Rampage. This will lead into the main event for the TNT Championship. Matt Taven with Mike Bennett and Maria in his AEW debut, in-ring debut, going against the TNT Champion Warlow. Warlow would win the match by pinfall by hitting the four power bombs in a row or the power bomb symphony. And after the match, Mike Bennett would get in the ring and attack Warlow. Now you have both Taven and Bennett attacking Warlow until Samoa Joe comes out and he beats up on both Taven and Bennett and then throw them out of the ring. Then you would see Powerhouse Hobbs make his way down to the ring and this would allow the embassy to sneak in the ring and attack Samoa Joe from behind. Now you have the embassy beating up on both Samoa Joe and Warlow. Powerhouse would enter the ring and help the embassy out. And then in the end, with Samoa Joe and Warlow laid out on the mat, You'll see Brian Cage hold up the ROH Television Championship and Powerhouse lift up the TNT Championship. So that tells you the respective championships that both men are headed for. And personally, I like it because I like Powerhouse Hobbs. He was a great member of uh, Team Taz. And when he split it off to go against Ricky and they had their one-on-one, it was good. But you could tell that you could see where you want to see Powerhouse go, where you see AEW wants to see Powerhouse go. Powerhouse is a big guy. Warlow is your big man for the TNT Championship. And these two guys going at it back and forth, that would be a great thing. So I'm glad we're getting that. And Samoa Joe going against Brian Cage for the television championship for Ring of Honor. That's going to be a good match by itself because Brian Cage is a great wrestler. He's a guy that can do everything in the ring. Same thing like Samoa Joe. So these two big men going at it, that's going to be a great time whenever we actually do get both of those matches. But in the end, that is your AEW Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, before I get you guys out of here, I just want to clarify something that I've been seeing this past week, week and a half. There's been reports, and again, I said I wasn't going to talk about reports that have not been confirmed, but this is just something that's been funny to me personally. It's been reported that Paul Levesque, aka Triple H, will be willing to have CM Punk back in the WWE, or he's willing and open to the idea. Now, People are thinking that CM Punk is going to get his release from AEW. Me, I don't think it's going to happen, but I will wait and see until the official uh, release has been confirmed. Now, if AEW happens to buy out CM Punk, I don't ever see CM Punk ever, and I mean this, ever going back to WWE. CM Punk has made it abundantly clear he does not plan to go back to WWE. That's not his, like, thing. If people remember last year when he came back to professional wrestling on AEW Rampage, and he said in his whole speech 
that he apologized to the fans that were chanting his name for the past seven years. He apologized to them for making them chant his name for seven years. He apologized for making them wait this long because he cannot go back to the same place that he got sick and expect to get cured, meaning that he cannot go back to WWE at that time, or he did not go back to WWE because that place was cancer to him, and you can't get better at a place that's cancer to you. So, Punk is not going back to WWE. That's not happening. So, I'm just going to eliminate right, right there. If Punk happens to go back to WWE, I'm going to say that's the day that hell will freeze is over. Because Punk does not like Triple H. If people remember, yet again, on the Art of Wrestling podcast that he was on with Coca-Bana, which led to the lawsuit that CM Punk was in some years ago, Punk recalled the day that he had left the WWE legitimately his last legit day on WWE grounds and he left he had a full-blown yell out with Triple H backstage and he said to Triple H that you need me I don't need you to wrestle at Wrestlemania you need me in our match to wrestle and that's when he left he detailed that whole thing that's just me taking out a part of the whole story you can go to the auto wrestling podcast it's on YouTube somewhere trust me somebody got it up there but CM Punk is not going back to WWE. He does not have a good memory of WWE. Yes, his friends work there or people that he is associated with on good terms are working in WWE. Yes. Do I think that he's going to go back there? No. Do I think that he would have went back there if Vince was there? No. But do I think personally, either Triple H or Vince McMahon, who he, who Punk would have worked for? I think it would be Vince. Personally, I don't think with this new regime of Triple H, I don't see it. Me, personally, with the much as much hate and vitriol that he has for Triple H, I don't see that happening. Or Paul Levesque, the man, not just the talent Triple H, but the man behind the talent, I don't see Punk going back there. I see Punk probably doing some type of business with Vince. If Vince was there, I could see that happening because Punk would have talked to Vince and be like, yo, I know you. Me and you might not have gotten along here, but at least I know you and I don't have to deal with your son-in-law. I can just go straight to the top instead of dealing with, well, your son-in-law. That's kind of my whole thing, especially with the much, as much derogatory things that Punk would say to Triple H in front of the camera back in, what, 2012? Yeah, this is 2012, whenever he was doing this whole thing. Dude, come on now. I don't see, no, no, that was 2011. Because he had to leave and then came back and lost the championship. Either way. Um, I just don't see it happening. Now, again, I could be wrong. And if he does go back to WWE, I think that would be bigger than Cody going back to WWE, to be honest. Because Cody leaving WWE, that was a big shock. But I believe uh, Punk going back to WWE would be a bigger shock, if I'm going to be completely honest. Because, again, with as much hatred and vitriol as Punk has spit about the WWE, if he goes back, that's going to really change the game. And people might say, oh boy, Punk's going back to WWE, the Black Cloud. No, no, you guys got to remember this. Punk says things that's on his mind, and if he doesn't like something, he's going to say it. And that's the way that everybody should be on this planet. Everybody just got used to eating crap and just be like, okay, no, Punk doesn't have to do it because he's done his time. 
He's put the time into this business. He put the time into the wrestling business. He knows what he's doing. He knows that he's a big star in the wrestling business, outside the wrestling business. That's whenever a mystery mark comes in. Does he have marketability like John Cena or The Rock? No, not in the way of like media status. No, but in other ways for like nerd culture, like the comic books and all this type of stuff, he might, maybe, I don't know. But in the wrestling industry, Oh, yeah, that's his bread and butter. He knows he can go to any other wrestling company and get top dollar if he leaves AEW. That's only if AEW happens to buy him out of his contract. Again, I don't see that happening. I think Tony Khan's probably going to have Punk sit on the shelf until he gets back from being injured. And then after that's done, he's going to have him in some type of storyline when he comes back. Again, I think the whole him being the teacher for MJF and him rebuilding the pinnacle with again ftr uh mjf and another big man that'll be beneficial but again we'll have to wait and see and if anything punk going against kenny or some form of the buck with punk in a special tag partner of his own or punk just even being a manager for ftr going against the bucks that's going to be money printed money but it's all going to be on if all men were able to sit down and actually talk and actually able to do business with one another and it's only if, if Tony Khan actually wants all this to happen. But again, do not believe anything until AEW or Tony Khan tweets it out or puts it out in a press release. Don't believe nothing because, again, all these journalists can get and will get things wrong. Most notably and most currently was the Aleister Black thing when we all thought Aleister Black or Malachi Black was going to be away from AEW as and he got his release from Tony Khan. That did not happen, and Aleister Black himself, Malachi Black, had to go on Instagram Live and clarify everything by saying, Ayo, that's not true. I'm still signed with AEW. Do not believe anything until it comes out of my mouth. So again, I'm going on with that route. Until it comes out of Tony Khan's mouth, until it comes out of CM Punk's mouth, until it comes out in a press release, I'm not believing nothing until all that happens. But until then, hey, I'm going to have fun reading everything, what everybody's saying, but for all the people that love wrestling as what it is do not believe it until you see it until something happens to come out now with that all being said let me get you guys out of here on twitter you can find me at, at my two podcast instagram my two cents podcast g2 and my email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com again if you want to reach me there that's my email now if you are feeling suicidal or you have those kind of suicidal tendencies or those feelings the National Suicide Hotline's number is in the episode description. I want to always keep that there for people that feel those type of ways because remember, you guys are worthy. You guys are meant for something. You guys don't know what type of feeling you guys bring to somebody else whenever you walk into a room. You don't know if you brighten up somebody's day. You have no idea. So you deciding to end your life right now, that's not a good thing. You decided to end your life at all. It's just not good at all. So if you've had those type of tendencies, please call the National Suicide Hotline. Please do so. Now with that, I want you guys to have a great Saturday. Please be careful tonight because some of y'all are going to have these Halloween uh, parties. Some of y'all will probably go trick-or-treating with your kids either tonight or tomorrow on Sunday. Please be careful and look after your kids' uh, candies to make sure they are straight. Make sure they don't get laced with anything. And just be careful. Again, please be careful. It's the Halloween season, holiday season. I don't want people to end up getting hurt or killed throughout this whole holiday. So again... Please be careful. And with that, this isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again. This has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I and I am him. I love you all. I thank you. And with that, Kanye, could you please 
take these people home. I'm tired, you tired, uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.